This is Trepwire with the guest podcast. The Economic Impact of COVID-19 on Siri Finance. I'm Martha Kocher with TREP, a data modeling and analytics firm for the CMBS Commercial Real Estate and CLO Markets. I'm with Manus Clancy, Senior Managing Director, and joining us today is Adam Bellman, President of Real Estate Investing and Servicing Segment at Starwood Property Trust, the largest commercial mortgage REIT in the U.S., with a market cap of $5 billion and 350 employees. Adam, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Give us a quick overview of your background and what are the core business lines of your segment? Sure. Um, So I have been in the securitization business since 1989, 90. Um, So really uh, through the predominant part of it, uh, I started off at Deloitte um, in their structuring unit, which was dealing with uh, residential mortgage-backed securities, predominantly Freddie Mac was their biggest client. And from there, really learned about, uh, you know, uh, the business from the side of the, of, the, of the debt side of really the structuring and analytical part of it. I, I, I got into learning about uh, residential and then commercial real estate and asset backs at some point um, from the bond side, not from the being on the specific uh, uh, segment side of things. So it was a different approach. I think a lot of people had uh, coming into this business, especially into commercial mortgage securities, where I say most people are real estate finance uh, types more than they are structure, uh, you know, uh, fixed income type of persons. So, um, you know, I was very lucky. Uh, I had a great career at Deloitte. Um, it, it brought me into working um, at uh, Deutsche Bank, uh, for a good segment of my career, I worked on the CMBS desk. I was the head of structuring and analytics, um, which afforded me the ability to, you know, not just, you know, figure out what other people are doing, but really create um, new products. Uh, I was uh, part of the innovation of the CDO market and the things that went along with it and was, uh, you know, really uh, involved in pricing and, and structuring all the securitization business that we did. Um, from there, I left, I worked at uh, UBS and, uh, you know, we started off a new CMBS business there and uh, was there right when, uh, you know, we started the Great Recession and wound up actually running real estate finance for UBS during the downturn, which was, um, although insanity and, uh, you know, crazy many times, I probably the most I learned about the business was over that period because I inherited an enormously large both debt and equity book that, uh, you know, it was my responsibility to exit out of over a two and a half year period of time. And we actually did that right to the day that I uh, no longer worked there. And then some of my good friends from uh, Deutsche Bank wound up uh, down at a company called LNR in Miami Beach, Florida. And um, I actually had three job offers, one in Des Moines, Iowa, one in Washington, D.C., and one in South Beach. And I turned to my wife, I said, you know, pick one. She's like, kidding? That's a no-brainer. <laughs> so, uh, wild up in Miami, amazingly. Um, and, uh, you know, I uh, came in as, uh, again, like a capital markets kind of position, similar to where I started at UBS for their uh, uh, loan origination business. They, LNR at the time was uh, the largest special servicer out there. They were one of the biggest BPs buyers in the pre uh recession era um, were the largest and from that uh, became one of the largest asset managers because they were uh, had to work out all the different trusts that uh, uh, had issues as Manus certainly knows very well as we were probably on the phone every day discussing those issues. Um, anyway, so um, I wound up at a company that had gotten out of the investment side of the business and that's kind of what my forte was and 
you know, as we wound up back in, uh, in times, um, you know, uh, the company decided to uh, put itself in the market and uh, lucky for myself and for the company, uh, we got bought by uh, the largest REIT that was out there, which was Starwood Property Trust. And, you know, they saw us as basically an opportunity to, to leverage great asset management, the ability to make all the fees that were going to come its way through being a special servicer. And additionally, an unbelievable level of, of expertise and data as far as uh, what happened in uh, 1.0 on the securitization market, which led to the resurgence of us becoming investors again. And really starting in 2013, when we got bought, we re-entered the market of buying B pieces. And, you know, we've consistently been part of uh, that universe. We uh, do it differently, I think, than the 1.0 time. We do a lot of uh, co-investing with other B piece buyers. We'd like to, you know, try to get in as many deals as possible to diversify our portfolio. We'd like to uh, also have as many, you know, third-party clients as we possibly can to try to build the book that we have if anything ever went wrong. And lo and behold, here we are again, uh, where the markets have moved and we are now back into a situation where the specialist is going to become a predominant part of our business. And it certainly makes my job different that I'm now running, you know, and really have been running uh, the, what Eleanor was in 2015, you know, moving from an investment company uh, into an investment slash special servicing company again. So, interesting so, time. So tell us, Adam, in terms of uh, the sleepless night count, you know, how does this compare now to, uh, you know, your sleepless night count uh, in 2007, 2008? You know, how do you compare the two situations? More dramatic now, less dramatic? Give us the, uh, uh, your sense of how bad it is now compared to the great financial crisis. Uh, totally different. And we're early on in this thing. So it's hard to say kind of, you know, how many more sleepless nights I'm going to be afforded here. Um, certainly, you know, the month of March or half, half the second half of the month of March into the first half of the month of April was quite a sleepless period of time for me. And it was a lot of, you know, uh, uh, asset reviews and reviewing our balance sheet and seeing what was going on and not just in my sector, but in the different sectors of, you know, of, of uh, Starwood and, you know, we can get into a little bit, you know, we are a very multi-cylinder company and have a lot of different areas that makes us a lot different than the other REITs that are out there. But, you know, the one big change that happened this time that didn't happen the last time was governmental intervention was way faster this time around than it was in 2007 and eight, right? You know, I mean, the sleepless nights for me started uh, being at UBS and, and uh, I can tell you the date, it was February 28th, 2000 and, you know, 17 was the, was, the, was the first date. That's when you saw the CMBX and the TRS indexes moved by five basis points, which is today nothing, but at the time never happened, right? We, we widened out and it was, and, and I had seen indicative things prior to it at a company, but with the state of the leverage, especially uh, at many different places, it, it was it was, it was was like that, that the, the thing switched off. You became, you know, on the defensive immediately and you were, and everything was a worry from that moment on. And yes, the CMBS market went on for another 10 months after that period, but it was the most volatile insanity that was going on. You knew that there was, a, there was, there was something that was gonna happen at the end of it. Um, so sleep at nights were long during that period. And then, you know, once, you know, with the Bear Stearns of 07 you had, and then Lehman Brothers of 08, you know, just, you were just waiting for the other shoe to drop. So it was constant issues. You know, and I knew my life was different when I got moved out of the Manhattan office for UBS and stuck out in Jersey City. 
So I knew that was a moment in time where they, things were not going to get better very quickly. And my only goal at that moment in time was to get back to the Manhattan office. And I would like to uh, thank God I did at some point. So that was, you know, an important part of my career to, to be able to say that I got out of Jersey City. But um, this time around, you know, it's, it's different, right? You had a very sharp, quick, uh, you know, event. Everything widened out, didn't widen out nearly as much as it did in 08. Um, but it was sharp, right? But then the moment, you know, and you know, and, and we can talk about this too. My 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 uh, nighttime job is I'm also the chairman of uh, of Crefsy this year. But you know, my you know the other side of the job was so in with uh, Congress, in with you know the Fed, in with uh, you know uh, everybody at that moment in time, Mnuchin's office, trying to convince them like you know please do what you did in 2009, but don't wait until two years later to to pull the trigger on you know Tal. You know, and thankfully, although it was limited, I'll tell you, but it did the trick, right? It, you know, for a while there, you know, uh, we have our uh, SMC is our lending platform for conduit lending. They were stopped because they just know what the hell was going to happen, right? And, um, you know, we were at that moment in time in the beginning of March about to buy a new securitization and that deal never happened. Um, and, you know, it was just, you just didn't know. And, but once that, you know, I remember the exact moment, you know, you know, 8.15 in the morning when that announcement came out, you know, it was, you know, you know, you knew it was, you knew things were going to get better and they did rapidly. And, and, it, and it solidified. It got you back to a point in time where it allowed the, uh, you know, investing community, which is totally different than it was in 2008, right? There's, there was, there was so much money on the sidelines here. There was so much liquidity that didn't exist back in 2008 and 2007 and there's just money to be used to go and you know put money out here keeping yields kind of low so this is a different moment in time right we we, we have liquidity people want to buy cmbs people want to you know make loans we have you know you know it didn't, it didn't show up the cycles you know our SS, smc team pretty much got right back on the aggressive once we realized that we could do deals again you know the deals have changed we can have that conversation a little bit later but um but it's not the same. We're, 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 we're still in business. It doesn't feel like this is the interim period between 07 and 08 that the business continued going on. This feels like we have a, we have a the concern is okay. We're, we're, we're there. We're different. We're going to be smaller. We're going to be slower, but we're still, uh, you know, a viable uh, sheet. Now, I got a chance to listen to uh, the Starwood earnings call the other day, Barry Sternlich, uh, and I should disclose that I was so impressed with his uh, pitch that I went out and bought Starwood stock shortly thereafter, and now I'm a Starwood equity holder. I thought it was a great, um, great earnings call. I thought it really underscored um, your diversity as an organization, which I never really fully appreciated until I heard it uh, verbalized that well um, uh, during the call the other day. But one thing really caught my interest was he really spent a lot of time on your conduit and on uh, the crisis and that you were sitting on uh, proceeds that you had lent or you had lent out. You were, you were kind of sitting on uh, loans, getting ready to securitize. You waited, the market recovered and you, and you came out pretty clean. You got a great execution when you came out, um, you know, maybe a little bit of inside baseball. Was that a hard sell to kind of swallow hard and hold on to that knowing that spreads were kind of potentially could have gone much wider or was there a pretty good unanimity among the group that, you know, we should wait this out. Yeah, you know, look, um, and I agree with you. I, I think I, I mentioned this to you earlier. You know, that was my favorite earnings call I've ever been on. 
Um, you know, I'm always on the, the sideline there to answer questions if anything comes up, and particularly in my industry. And it was was unnecessary this period, you know, this moment in time. And Barry and you know Jeff Demotica, who, who runs the read, you know, did an amazing job, really describing. You know, look, and we, you know, we have five different units within uh, within Starwood Property Trust. You know, it's the biggest one and the one that started was, and you know, it started from exactly what this is the opposite of. There was, there was a dearth of liquidity in, in, in commercial real estate debt lending in 2008, 2009. And Barry Sterling, who obviously has a reputation from you know, his hotel universe and all this investing, you know, started a blind pool and, and went out and started our, our lending business and it, it killed him, you know, and then bought LNR in 2013. You know, started a you know a an equity group uh, within uh, the REIT uh, in 2014. You know, and then uh, we started a uh, residential lending business. You know, which is you know predominantly non-QM agency, uh, non-agency uh, RBS uh, securitization business, which is just you know a, a wholly different uh, exercise that that you know that diversifies us even more. And then. You know, in local, we bought an infrastructure lending business, you know, and energy, which is completely different. And, you know, for me, it's great. I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I get to work a lot with our CFO and kind of work amongst those different units uh, all the time. But yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there was conviction. You know, no one was panicking. You know, Barry always says it in the history of, uh, you know, uh, SMC, you only had one quarter where, you know, things went bad and we were right back at it the next quarter. And it's just, we're going to figure it out. The business was built to be, you know, to, to handle adversity. You know, the one rule that I think, you know, Rich Highfield who runs SMC, Larry Brown, who's his predecessor, you know, and I and, and everybody in the company always believes in is, you know, velocity, right? If you can, if you can create a business, you know, is able to consistently, you know, loans in, into as many transactions you possibly can, make as many investment partners you possibly can in the CMBS business, it'll it'll forge you so much because you'll, your balance sheet will never be enormous at any one period of time. You'll always have the ability to constantly bring it down. You'll never, you know, even if things as this did stall things for for a couple of quarters, um, you can get right back up and keep going because you're 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 not. You're not at a point where you know the end of the world is happening to you. So you know that's the theory. It's worked great. You know we've, we've had an amazing quarter. You know after having you know, even not a terrible quarter before it. So it's you know it's uh, you know it's a, a testament to uh, the fortitude of you know obviously the people you know who are running the place, and you know and 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 having a conviction in how we're going to keep doing things. It's a, a business that will go on, and you know and, and having been the BP's buyer, you know we buy a lot of the deals that you know we. We, uh, uh, SMC Brethren puts the collateral in and it affords us to uh, see new deals, be liquid in the in markets and, and really make sure that that, you know, that that turnover keeps churning. So along the same lines, when you talk about velocity, uh, I'll ask this question on two levels. Is this a time when velocity can get even faster for Starwood? And is this an opportunity now for the CMBS market more broadly to pick up market share? You know, so we're in a really interesting moment in time here, right? It's actually, I think, a little bit of the opposite is going on. Currently, I'd like to say that, it, you know, once the vaccine, you know, and, and these announcements are definitely making it easier to forecast things changing earlier in the future here. But, you know, if you think about what a CMBS deal looked like in the first quarter of, of 2020, you know, 10 to 15 percent hotel 20 to 25% retail, you know, heavy, most probably likely heaviest office, 
you know, some infrastructure, you know, some uh, industrial and other things. Um, and now, you know, um, I don't think we're there back to that moment in time yet. We can't go and do, you know, hotel loans like we do. And that's not because we don't want to, it's just that it's too early, right? There's not enough. I mean, if you get to get, get a property that, that, you know, tunned it through, you know, the, the, the last six months and things like that, and you, you know, have a very low leverage and, you know, reserves up the wazoo and things like that, sure, that's, you know, that's possible. But all investors right now is, is what happened in 2010 and, you know, and 11, right? As what, you know, happened when we blew up, you know, and uh, after the, you know, the, uh, the 2000, the 1990 crisis, right? I mean, the, the composure of lending changed. I think that there's this data that needs to be digested by, you know, both the lending and the and the BPs and the senior the investment grade units on what's happened here. You know, are we out of it? Look, there's, you know, there's more stuff that's come into the special servicing in the past six months than it's done probably since the beginning of 2.0. Um, we have to analyze why that happened. Just and what you know, and you know, a lot of it is is a lot of it's going to be temporary. Um, as it wasn't in 2007, 8, 9, right? Most of that stuff that came in never came back out again, unless it was, in, you know, probably a, a, a sale of some kind or AV notes or some format. You know, this time, I don't think that's the case. I think, yes, there's some stuff that's going to stay, but there's going to be stuff that you're going to figure it out and try to get it out of special. Or, or I can tell you what, one thing we definitely are doing, at, you know, at, at LNR is, you know, we're trying to find ways to not actually even bring it into special servicing. We're trying to find ways to, you know, this is not the same crisis that we had 12 years ago. That was caused by over leverage. That was caused by, you know, people who took out too much in loans, people gave too much out in loans. And, you know, the whole market was just oversaturated. This is a health crisis that wasn't caused by anybody who was a borrower in this circumstance in most cases, but there's, there, there was pain already in retail and, you know, we can have that conversation too, but, you know, but the hotel industry certainly wasn't going in negative directions when, when this whole thing started. So, you know, we, we, we take the stand that we're trying to do what we can to, to help there. Now, it's not a freebie. You know, it's not, you know, you come in and expect us to, you know, just give you, you know, six months of our parents and, you know, that's the end of it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a teamwork thing. You've you got to, you know, it's, it's working with the lender, working who's now in the special, working with the master, you know, all together, trying to figure out something that works for that property that is going to, you know, that makes sense for it to get a, you know, a, a timeout of some kind or, or, or a leaf of some kind in the future here as we, as we figure things out is because, you know, COVID plays itself out. Turning to the, you know, the property type specific um, views, you talked about hotels a, a moment ago. Uh, we've seen record-breaking delinquency percentages, special servicing percentages, watch list percentages um, since March. Any green shoots there? Is there... Uh, um, you know, how would you, how would you talk about the, um, the vibe, if you will, of the borrower? Is there any hope right now, or are we just still in the dark days of, uh, June and July? You no, know, we did a lot of work. I mean, you know, when I talk about, you know, all those different segments that SCWD has, you know, we moved so many people over from our investment wing in my division and from the lending divisions and from all the divisions, frankly, had somebody used to come in to try to help. You know the you know the open fire hydrant that happened uh, you know in in Illinois in special servicer you know to to for a reason of we were getting you know the master was sending you know requests all the time we were handling you know individual borrowers and loan by loans and 
you know, at the end of the day, I think there was a thousand different requests that came through, you know, over that period of time. And, you know, we're, I think, the third largest special, so the others had a, you know, a lot going on as well. Um, you know, and I will tell you, a lot of those that bar decided not to go forward because the, the cost of associated for, you know, for doing those things, that was, you know, above what they were willing to deal with. You know, those that really need the help got it um, and pushed things out, I think, probably into, you know, the end of this year, early next year. And, you know, we have to see what's going on at that moment in time. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I think that, you know, the industry too, you heard from the hotel, you know, associations and things like that. You know, I think everybody, there's trying to talk to, you know, the, the, the government and trying to figure out ways to try to figure out help there. And there was some in the form of, you know, the PPP. And I think trying to get the PPP into the right places to allow the hotels to keep operating was a big part of what we were doing as well. Um, but, you know, you know, the other programs didn't really work for, you know, yet for, you know, helping in that regard. So it took specials and masters and borrowers and others involved to try to figure out ideas. And there's a lot of it, you know, allowing for use of reserves uh, to, to help pay for, you know, for keeping the mortgages, you know, uh, uh, you know, up to date, uh, you know, uh, you know, foregoing, you know, tests that, uh, you know, would trigger, you know, cash flow sweeps or things like that until things kind of get better. Um, you know, you name it, you think of the ideas, you know, those things were being bounced around the wall and it was, and it was a creative endeavor. And I think our, our team, you know, Joe Washer runs it, an amazing job of, you know, uh, being as creative as you possibly can to try to, you know, try not to, you know, bring things into the special for everything that was up there. Now, some stuff had to come in because of, you know, the way PSAs are written and things like that, but we're still trying to figure out ways to, you know, come up to a conclusion early and not try to, you know, keep things in, uh, special for the long period of time. You're seeing it, you know, rate, rate, you know, delinquency rates are dropping, you know, uh, stuff saying special is dropping net net, especially in hotel, I would say. You know, for our listeners, um, you've heard this before that, um, you know, the forbearance term is used loosely a lot of times for the hotels. It's tapping the FF&E reserve to keep a loan current. Right. Um, you know, often that is a, a three-month uh, piece of relief that's given. Sometimes there's an optionality to get a second three months, but at the end of that period, there's a year by which the deferred um, reserves have to be replenished over time. You know, what is your gut at this point? Is there another level of relief that has to be uh, given to these borrowers? Because it doesn't seem like given where we are in terms of the recovery, paying back what you were paying in your PNI and replenishing FF&Es is even remotely possible at this point in the game. TBD, I think that, you know, we're in that lull right now in between the two things. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the first wave, and I think that some of them will be okay from that first wave. I'm sure we're going to see people coming in with additional requests as, as uh, you know, as, as needed. Um, you know, I think people have, are not shy. You know, we're seeing, you know, they're, they're, some of them are hiring, you know, third-party people to help them, you know, talk to to uh to the lender side of the, the equation and yeah i mean I, yeah i mean a tbd i'm not sure yet. i mean i think certainly it, you know it's not gonna be perfect but you know I, I can't tell you how bad it's gonna be as to it's really we're in that low yeah i guess retail is probably the same answer right i mean obviously with much more structural problems uh certainly at the at the shopping mall level yeah yeah coming well, in. i think some of that stuff was already showing wear and tear before you got to covid and you know covid has exacerbated that issue i think um it, it's it's have and have nots you know it's uh 
CMBS is generally a, you know, uh, a non-recourse business. You know, it depends upon, I think you'll see people react to it differently depending upon how much equity they still have in their deals, how much equity they believe that, you know, they can, you know, recover once things kind of get normalized and things like that. And, you know, but we've, we've seen a lot of surprising ones out there too. I mean, you know, stuff that, you know, you would have thought would have been, you know, had issues during this time, obviously, you know, you know, shopping centers are doing better if you've got a grocery anchor in them at this moment in time, I think, than I think would have been anticipated with everything that's going on. I think you're still seeing that they're behaving well during during this. And, you know, when things opened up over the summer or into the fall, I think it, you know, things normalized a lot now. But again, we're going into a period of time here. It seems like things are going to get worse, certainly north, the east and north of where I am. Um, you know, and so we'll see how government reacts and, you know, especially with, uh, uh, you know, the new uh, regime that's going to be coming in, 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 you know, 70 days, I think it is. You're not talking about Steve Cohen uh, becoming GM of the Mets. Is that your uh, new regime? Is that your green shoot we're talking about? That was my Hanukkah present for myself. All right. Well, your wife was had the foresight to want to move to Miami. So obviously, a lot of New Yorkers are leaving that area. What are your thoughts about that? Is that something that you see happening? Yeah, you know, look, you know, um, Barry's building the new uh, brand new Snake office for us uh, right across from the one hotel. Um, you know, we're kind of half of it's gonna be filled, I think, with new arrivals from the great white north, as we can say from Miami, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I, I think politically, I think, you know, COVID-wise, I think a lot of reasons, I think you're going to see that a lot of companies are going to wind up coming to, for tax reasons, certainly, you know, you're, you're seeing it in Miami, Broward, and West Palm counties, you know, I think we'll see a, a pickup in uh, finance type of, of companies will show up down here. I think, obviously, Nashville, you're seeing in Austin, you know, places which have lower tax basis kind of plays and you know um those places will do better in the, in the short term like look you know i can tell you let's you know, let's you know use you know people compare covid to kind of the combined combination of the long nature of uh you know the great recession along with 9-11 in some ways the, the the immediacy of it and you know it's gonna be interesting to see really what happens you know to to the, the migration of of people in the United States, how many people are going to move out into back into the suburbs and things like that? You may get, you know, I know in 9/11 I lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and by April of 2002 I lived in the suburbs of New Jersey for very good reasons. I didn't want to spend another day in Manhattan with my children. Um, you know, and that changed over time. I wanted to back in Manhattan, but um, you know, I, I could see foresee that happening in a lot of places. I think depending on how long this goes. You know, I'll tell you, I. I bought a second place that has a backyard and a barbecue because I got sick of being in an apartment for X number of months, you know, and it sounds like a lot of people did the same all across the United States. So, you know, I expect big changes in there. Um, you know, where Krebs has got a class with uh, NYU Shack this uh, semester that's really talking about kind of urban planning and what's happening to the cities. And, you know, uh, you know San Francisco, New York are going to have a change. And, where you're already seeing it retail-wise, you'll be seeing it office-wise too. After all this, and how that's going to unfold itself. So, you know, it's, uh, I was thinking, weather, and your weather's better, and you got a, a better football team too. Yeah, was, well, at the moment, but you know, that's that's fickle. But you know, look, the weather here is luckily we only had really one storm that kind of passes by. But uh, you know, we got our own issues. So certainly, you know, we just had uh, uh, the longest hurricane season I think that's ever existed, and. Uh, 
So <laughs> there aren't that many safe places, I think, uh, on the exterior part of our, of our country at the moment. I was thinking before of your, uh, your effort to, to shake off Jersey City. I was thinking that, that would be a, a good Kurt Russell movie, Escape from Jersey <laughs> City, with uh, you writing the screenplay. Uh, that that uh, haunts your dreams forever. Nothing wrong with Jersey City. It's lovely, by the way. I don't want to bash <laughs> on Jersey City too long, but uh, not where I really wanted my career path to be headed. Um, <laughs> Going back to the, the crisis, um, just one, one last question from me, which is uh, every crisis we've seen has kind of resulted in a change to the CMBS industry and to, and to lending in general, right? After long-term capital uh, and Nomura's issues, we saw um, people try to securitize much faster, not sit on big warehouse lines for long periods of time. After 9-11, it was terrorism insurance. Um, after the great financial crisis, uh, a whole host of things, you know, uh, risk retention being one of them, uh, new deal structures, uh, better lending hygiene, if you will. If you were to put on, you know, kind of your uh, forward-looking vision on what might come out of that, uh, either as, as a lender yourself or um, as the head of Crefsy for the year, what could you see emerging from this crisis that might make the industry stronger, uh, more transparent, or anything in that realm? Yeah, the thing, you know, the, the big TBD from the 2.0 change that we're really going to see some interesting moments from is, uh, you know, the operating advisor, I think, um, and, and the way you determine whether or not the operating advisor and certainly changes of, of controlling class holders um, is significantly different than it was during 1.0. So for those not uh, familiar, um, back in 1.0, changes in control of who makes, helps make decisions on sale of assets or, or the directions of what the special kind of goes through um, was determined by loss reduction. So if you lost, uh, if you effectuated an actual loss on a loan and reduced the balance of your lowest for the classes, you had uh, changes of control as, as they kept going up the capital stack. And obviously in 2007-8, there was a lot of that with you know, the, the severity of what occurred there. So people were, you know, thought it was not the right thing to do. They thought it would be more appropriate that if there was risk already in the market, then there was, you saw, you know, potentially that you may not, you still may be a bond that has balance, but do you really have balance because the appraisals are showing you effectively you're out of control as is. So they changed the rule to make it based upon, you know, uh, appraisal reductions. And so you're now appraisal reductions reduce and determine who's in control and control rights stop most of the time at the double B level, at the top of the double B level. So once you go into investment grade, there isn't really, there isn't really a controlling holder anymore. You have this concept of operating advisor who is there to effectively consult on, on the benefit of the investment grade classes. So appraisals are not a, are, are not a, uh, you know, a, a, a static concept. They change and they change every time you do an appraisal. So, and different, loans will not get the same timing on their appraisals depending upon when they come in and out of special. So you can have situations where you think you've changed control into a new class and yet the next day another appraisal could potentially change you into a different class back or forth. So there's going to be a lot of shuffling of who's going to be proving what 
and how it's going to affect you know, decisions that are made on behalf of the trust in a very much more uh, uh, variant manner than they were uh, 10 years ago. So I'm wondering if that's going to be something that people are going to want to maintain once you know, we get through this. You know, obviously, as far as you know, changes, you know, I'm you know, obviously working with Crepsi on trying to find ways to get money to borrowers so that they can continue paying their mortgages on time. So there's a lot of effort there. We were looking at trying to work on the, you know, there's a couple of uh, bills that are out there, one by a congressman in Texas, uh, one by a senator, um, to try to change main, main Street lending to afford effectively, you know, additional debt that could be taken on uh, or in the form of uh, equity, uh, promote, you know, private equity. Trying to keep, keep working on that road so that could be a new, uh, something that didn't happen before to trying to find money to stay in this thing to keep the ball rolling as COVID plays itself out here. Obviously, it's all going to be dependent upon when the vaccine is readily available, when people feel like they can travel again. And, you know, has the paradigm of working from the office changed permanently? I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think so. I believe Barry and Jeff will say the same, that I think people are missing the, you know, you know, I'm sitting out in the hallway by my elevator in my apartment building right now. It's not the uh, optimal uh, work environment, I will tell you, for myself. Uh, I'm not a fan. So I, I speak to a lot of people, and I'll tell you, a lot of them aren't big fans of them. There are some who actually love it because they think that, you know, it actually helps them with their work-life work -like balance. So that whole issue, you know, is CBD still going to be CBDs? If not, you know, that affects a whole different, you know, besides office, it affects all the shops that are downstairs and the places people eat and all the other things that go on with their central business district. So a lot to be determined here. And I think a lot of those things, the longer this goes, you're going to find it's going to have more and more effect on CBS as far as what risks people are willing to take on loans in the future, how that's going to work its way through, you know, legislation and or different things in the PSAs. And so it's, you know, we're, you know, we, we could do this call again in six months and ask that question. I'll probably have a different answer for it. On the, on the level of appraisals, we, just like you, have seen a ton of new appraisals come through every month with the uh, investor reporting package data from the servicers. At this point in the game, uh, do you think the values you're seeing are reflective of the pain that's out there, uh, not painful enough, or too painful? I think that it's really hard to do an appraisal today because what's the comps? I mean, the comps are always really the majority part of anything you're going to look at here. And you know, there aren't sales in sporadic ones. One you hear about one, you know, in a blue moon somewhere, but you know, so I, bo both ways. I, I don't. I think they're just not right right now. I don't think it. You know, I, it, it. You know, we have we're, we're right in the middle of the of the significant increase in recovery here, but we don't know if it's going to last, and so. Anything you're seeing right now is, you know, probably been whacked too hard, depending upon the property type it is. Certainly retail is getting the, you know, crap kicked out of it. And, and I'm going to leave a waste, excuse my language. Um, same with a bunch of other stuff, you know. And, you know, I, I, I would say it's definitely to the worst that it probably, it, you know, that people are being too conservative because they just don't have enough data to go out there, you know. And it's going to be tough. I think we're going to, you know, I think you'll see, uh, events of change of control that maybe are happening not necessarily because of the real risk that's associated with loans. So assuming we have a vaccine in the April, June timeframe next year, uh, do you want to, 
dare a prediction on CMBS issuance and delinquency, we won't hold you to it and you won't be graded. Um, April, June. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I think that we, I think there'll be enough. If, if, if we get the feeling in the next month or two, that this is a really real thing here, I think that people will kick the can a bit on what's going on right now and, and the loans that are out there. So I think it'll keep, uh, uh, a massive movement into a special, uh, I think it'll allow for the time to, to heal, you know, I think, you know, you know, I think a lot of loans are already damaged are probably shown up already. Um, you know, I think if we see pick up and travel, if we see, you know, especially business travel, which I think is the most essential part of this whole thing, begin to, you know, show itself up in, in you know, from airplane traffic and things like that. Uh, I think we won't be certainly at, you know, 2019 levels, but I think we will be, um, at a, uh, a recovery level that people will start feeling much more comfortable about our business. Uh, you'll be the first to know, right? You'll, uh, you and Miami Beach, you'll be the first to know uh, if there's more people getting off those planes and more mojitos being served. Uh, you, you'll you'll uh, drop a dime, right? Let us know that the economy is recovering and, and uh, give us the, the heads up. Uh, you know, I, I booked a vacation for Christmas. So to give you a feel, if I'm feeling optimistic, I, I've, and it involves playing. Excellent. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll close this special podcast. Thank you to our guest, Adam. And any advice that Manus Clancy gave is not uh, for investment purposes. It's just for conversation. So keep that in mind. Thanks to our producer, Keegan St. Ange. Join us later this week as we look at what's happened during the week and how it may be impacting you. If you have a question, send us an email at podcast.trep.com. Please visit prep.com for more info and subscribe to the podcast with your favorite provider. Thank you for listening and stay well. All right.